Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Dr. Lale Talibian. And Dr. Lale was trained as a research scientist, but over the years of biomedical and clinical research, discovered that she had developed a strong affinity for disease prevention and promoting a culture of healthcare rather than sick care. She dedicated many years to developing a unique approach to comprehensive health and wellness. Rather than treating a condition, her approach focuses on natural and holistic prevention methods through the right foods and exercise for each individual. One of the things that was really interesting about Dr. Lale, who I met at an event uh, recently, and as soon as I heard her story, I said, oh, we've got to bring her to the stage, is she actually had to learn to survive before she was born. So I'm really excited to have you here today to talk about all of the wonderful things that you are up to, Dr. Lale, as well as to dive into your story a little bit. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah. Well, so when we first met, we met at a a live event uh, that was recently produced by a, a couple of friends of mine, and you came to the stage and you pitched to be on podcasts, your story was really, really powerful and it really caught my attention. So I'd love to have you share a little bit about your background and what inspired you to become a doctor first and foremost, and also somebody who's really interested in healthcare and health wellness rather than sick care. So uh, my story began way back when, if you want me to start from before birth, uh, I was an oops child, so I was never meant to be born. And I guess I was reminded how stubborn I was. If you want me to do something, tell me I can't. I uh, grew up in Iran before the Islamic revolution took over. But when I was very young, um, things changed and turbulent situation kind of uh, threw our world upside down. I always wanted to be a scientist. And by the time I was 13, I had decided I wanted to be a scientist. But uh, in a culture where I grew up, uh, a scientist was a man's job. And in a male-dominated world, that was not acceptable. My dad, however, was very supportive of that. On my 15th birthday, my dad died of stomach cancer. And he was the sole parent, if you will. And um, that is the day my my mission began to fight cancer, if you will. Um, I had to flee the country a couple years after that due to war and a lot of other things and to escape my mother. And I ended up in Belgium as sort of a political refugee. And I tried to learn the languages there. And I did three languages. Mm -hmm. And going to college was very difficult there. So I decided to try the United States where my sisters were, and they said it was a lot easier. 
So I um, came to the United States and I took the tests for TOEFL, which is test of English as a foreign language with very limited English. And I got into college and that's where my journey began to become a scientist. Um, in 2005, exactly 20 years after I made that vow to myself, when my dad died, I got my PhD in, in cancer biology, molecular biology of cancer. Wow, beautiful. So one of the things that you said at the beginning, which I just caught kind of partially, but I want to underscore it, is you were an oops child. and. Basically, your mom tried to abort you, from what I understand from your backstory. And one of the reasons that I had you come on is because actually my mom had that same experience where she was an oops child. And so, you know, one of the things that I I like to do here on the show is I like to show how even though we all have our own unique stories and you most certainly have a unique story, there's always a thread. There's always a thread that ties us to each other in some way. And so what I'd like to have you talk about now, Dr. Lale, is you became a research scientist, but then from there, what inspired you to start to work around helping people to focus on the health preservation, or I guess the word would be health enhancement, Mm -hmm. rather than focusing on the condition. What was it that happened in your story or over time? You know, when did it happen that you suddenly made the decision, like, I'm not going to focus on the condition anymore? So when I was, uh, you know, in in research and in immunotherapy, I did um, a lot of immunotherapy in clinical trials. One of the things that was heartbreaking was watching patients suffering from the side effects of traditional chemotherapy and other therapies associated with it and secondary cancers. And that would be a result of another cancer treated years ago from chemotherapy. I also watched my dad really suffer through that. And at some point I realized if, if, if we really could prevent disease in general, we don't have to put the body through such harsh treatments as much as possible. We've come a long way, but I think we haven't focused on preventing disease as much as treating and putting a bandaid on. So, and also education uh, about the prevention of disease was something that was in my mind was lacking very much. In the United States, I see it and elsewhere in the world too, but more so here is a lot focused on pharmaceuticals and treatment rather than really prevention. And I decided to move away from that. And I was never able to live with myself going into pharmaceutical research or work knowing what it would do to people. I just couldn't do that, even though there was a lot more money in that, believe it or not. So I decided to go to prevention route. I had always been interested in health and wellness, nutrition and exercise. And I just started using my science head and research mind, if you will, problem solving mind and put it to better use, trying to figure out what are the causes of some of these diseases. And if you can believe it, 75% of cancers are actually preventable by lifestyles habit. So if we can prevent them before they occur, we don't have to torture people with those harsh treatments. And that's where I moved away from cancer research into cancer prevention Mm. and education. Yeah. And so uh, somewhere along the way, you ended up starting your own business too, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So what I want to talk about now, Dr. Lale, is you brought to the table this idea of treating conditions and the pharmaceutical companies 
there's like a big wall, right, of Mm -hmm. financial incentive, shall we Mm -hmm. say, Mm -hmm. for people who have brilliant minds like yourself to devote themselves to the pharmaceutical industry rather than to devote themselves towards prevention and health enhancement. So how did you find the courage to kind of walk away from the financial incentives Mm -hmm. and to instead follow your, I guess, your heart in the Mm -hmm. direction that you actually took? You know, one of the wake up calls for me was I uh, worked at the cancer center from research to cancer prevention, community health education, cancer prevention. Unfortunately, what I learned there was the most, um, what they encouraged us to do was to promote clinical trials and screening rather than lifestyle. And what was really lacking was the doctors and oncologists and practitioners themselves were all unhealthy. So if you are a physician or an oncologist who are not practicing health, how could you with a straight face advise on health? So it was kind of something that was shoved under the table, under the rug. And most of the time, doctors just, uh, the easy way how they're trained, unfortunately, is to prescribe the medication, regardless of the disease, cancer or not. And what I noticed was we were promoting, we were asked to promote uh, filling up the beds with, for clinical trials and rather than, oh, let's, let's teach people better lifestyle. And our money was not invested in that. And it was really heart-wrenching to me. And I was never in it for money. Money is nice, but it doesn't, it doesn't cure disease. And it didn't make me happy. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't bring myself to do that. I was really scolded a lot by a lot of people. You could be doing this and making a lot of money. And that wasn't, I couldn't live with myself doing that. So I um, decided at some point, uh, a leap of it. And I really tried actually writing protocols. And and when I was in the research uh, world that, hey, if we just help these cancer patients to um, complementary to the treatment, adopt a healthy lifestyle, it would at least make them feel better. I always say healthy eating, active living doesn't have any side effects. (laughs) That's the one thing I can guarantee. But unfortunately, I got a lot of pushback all the time and I just couldn't do it. So I decided if I'm going to do this, it's going to have to be me and it's going to have to be one person at a time. So why don't I use my, like I said, problem solving skills and love of science and research to put that energy in in a more positive way. And it was a leap of faith. It was a huge, it was very scary. But at some point, I think just decided I'm going to do this part time. I'm going to put my own time on weekends on this and then, um, you know, see how it goes. And immediately I got a lot of open arms and response from from people. So that was a good incentive for me to keep going. Mm, Yeah, well, I just want to applaud your courage. You know, Thank certainly you. in the face of that big wall, right? Of mm-hmm. and also that high incentive of of income. So we are going to take a short break, but when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about what you have developed in terms of your business and how you're serving people. Um, but right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we're going to ask for your help if you are enjoying the show and you want us to stay on the air please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends 
who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. We're now up to 93 countries. And I just discovered last week that the show is in the top 1% of all shows across all categories. And there's like 2.7 million shows now, according to Listen Notes. So we're in the top 1%. So we're excited about that. Thank you so much. Uh, We want to shout out today to our listeners in Albania, our listeners in Colombia, and our listeners in Belgium. And we will be right back with Dr. Lale. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design? A life that is an extraordinary work of art. Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition. Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Dr. Lale. You can find out more about Dr. Lale and all of her work at drlale.com. And that's actually D-R-L-A-L-E-H.com. We will have that for you in the show notes. So Dr. Lale, let's talk about um, you stepped away from kind of the corporate model of medicine and began your own journey as an entrepreneur and uh, serving people to really learn how to believe in and practice health and wellness support, (laughs) right? Rather than condition treatment, it's health support and uh, disease prevention. So one of the things that you say is that you, I am what I eat. You say, I am what I eat and food is my medicine. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit about like where you went to get this, this information. Was it, did you, did you apply this all to yourself? Cause one of the things you mentioned before we went to the break was a lot of the people who are in the quote healthcare profession are actually unhealthy themselves. Did you have some of your own issues or did you have to apply some of this to yourself first before you made the decision to go ahead and uh, start your own thing? Um, Yes, somewhat I did. I I did have some health issues, which prior to really studying it, um, I attributed it to my genetics. My dad died of stomach cancer and I um, suffered from GI battles almost, if you will, from a young age. And, you know, at first it was like, well, it's in our genes. And uh, but I decided that is information that is knowledge that I'm going to use (laughs) to my benefit. I'm not going to give into my genes and wait my turn. And for personal reasons, I really was interested in preventing disease. Cancer, it runs in my family as well as other things. So 
people who see me oftentimes say, you must have been born lucky. But if you look at my genetic pedigree, if you will, there's bad genes on both sides all over the place. So I was determined to change that for myself. And I was also more interested in really helping people understand what they eat and how they live and how they behave and treat their body has a lot to do with diseases in general, modern world disease. Cancer used to be an old age disease. And nowadays we see so much cancer in children. I can't help but wonder what has caused all of these new cancers pop up. And if you really do a little bit of research, you see we are feeding our, ch our children carcinogens on a daily basis. Uh, are we surprised why they're getting cancer at six or seven or eight or 10? It's sad, but it's the truth. I was my own first guinea pig, if you will. I was determined to solve this GI issue, which I did. I also had genetics in my family of migraines. I suffered from migraines for many years, and it was an ongoing two years of nonstop headache, which was debilitating. And I changed that by changing my diet and adopting regular exercise. So I started thinking, hmm, if that works for me, I could probably develop something that works for everyone. But keeping in mind that every single one of us is unique, I don't believe in a one size fits all. So I treat every single individual as an individual, mm. but as a whole person, not as their disease. Really take a lot of time to get to know their body, their genetics. I have a genetics background and a food biochemistry plus my cancer research. So I put that all together to develop a system to identify what things are in, in the family. And that's knowledge that I can use to uh, find ways to minimize the risk of getting disease in general. Mm, beautiful. Well, let's talk now about your business. If mm -hmm. you want, why don't you share a client story of somebody that you've actually helped who is working with you, either you help them to prevent something, or maybe you help them after something happened and you help to ameliorate some of that. The one story that always comes to my mind is a woman who was 52 years old, uh, diagnosed with a rare type of cancer. And this was back in 2016, November. And uh, she reached out to me saying that I was told to go home and be comfortable and await my death. And I have three months to live. Number one thing that irritates me is anyone giving a timeline to anyone. In my mind, nobody knows. No one, no one, no one. So don't let anybody ever tell you you have so many days or months or years. No one knows. The second thing she said was, well, they told me that there's nothing they can do for me. And I decided to stop all treatments and see what I can do by lifestyle. So I said, great. So this woman started very, very weak, very, very discouraged. She couldn't even lift her arm. My business partner and I at the time developed a plan for her, a nutrition plan to help her immune system fight cancer and an exercise plan, as well as yoga for mindfulness and just general good health uh, complement together. After about three months, uh, she decided to join a gym. At the time, we didn't have a gym, and she started exercising on her own, plus training with my business partner and doing her plan. And about nine months after that, her oncologist wrote her a note saying, unfortunately, there is no cancer in your body, so I cannot put you on a clinical trial. She reached out to me. She said, I don't know what to think about this. So the oncologist clearly wasn't thinking what she was saying. In her mind, she couldn't put her on a trial because she was cancer-free. 
I apologized on her behalf. It broke my heart. And I said, you need to ignore that comment. And she went to the oncologist and said, I have changed my diet and lifestyle. And I attributed that to this, that I'm surviving nine months later when you gave me three months, you know, nine months ago. And she said, absolutely not. Diet has nothing to do with it. This woman, um, what, 2016, now we're 2022 almost, she is doing a 100-mile ride, bike ride every year to raise money for cancer research, and she is absolutely glowing. And every time I tell this story, I almost <laughs> brings tears to my eyes, but it's amazing that someone was given a death sentence three months, six years ago, and she's doing fantastic right now. Well, I, I have the chills all over me, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Lale. So, you know, on behalf of all of the people that are listening who could potentially use your help or who have already obtained your help, you know, I'm feeling filled with gratitude that you chose to say yes to your destiny. So let's talk a little bit, just a little bit about, you know, because you actually have a big big destiny here. You're actually helping people to completely change the outcome of a death sentence. And you are also kind of facing a wall of the medical community that is opposed to any kind of prevention. And you are also a business person. Like you've got all these balls in the air. So I'd love for our listeners to hear about a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur and what that's been like for you to be able to maintain your own well-being and at the same time be so called to and committed to and invested in delivering on your own mission. To talk about how I became an entrepreneur, I always say I have no business being a businesswoman. I'm a research scientist. I don't have a business mind. But I think somewhere along the line, I realized that if you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. So I love what I do every single day. And it doesn't feel like work. And I connect with people at a personal level. Sometimes that's not great because it hurts when, say, I lose a cancer patient. But also it gives me a whole new perspective and gratitude for my health. Every single day, I'm grateful for health. I have a gratitude journal I write into once a week, I try. So one thing I have made a commitment to is the time that I spent on my wellness and exercise. I'm an exercise addict, by the way, and proud of it. It's non-negotiable. So the time that I do set that aside, that's non-negotiable. You cannot have that time no matter what. And so that's one way I keep my sanity, if you will, and myself healthy. And if I'm going to preach and if I'm going to teach, I'm going to have to practice what I preach and I'm going to have to believe in that. And one of the comments that I always get from people is you walk the walk and you talk the talk. And that's for selfish personal reasons, as well as I'm accountable to people I care for. And if I tell you to do something because it's good for you, I better damn well make sure that I do it myself. So, and it keeps me obviously healthy and happy with myself and knowing that I'm honest with my patients and clients as well as I'm honest with myself. Now, being an entrepreneur is is not an easy thing. Uh, And I tell that to anyone that if you really truly have a calling in life, go for it. If you're on the fence, jump. 
because if you're meant to do something, you're going to succeed and you're just going to have to see yourself and you're going to have to believe in it and you're going to have to want it badly. So if you want anything badly, you're going to make it happen. And I always tell people, my, my motto is, if you want me to do something, tell me I can't. I was told I couldn't be a scientist. I said, watch me. I was told I couldn't be a bodybuilder. I said, watch me. <laughs> so, and a business owner, I said, watch me. And you know what? Being stubborn, even as my mother said, before you were born, you were too stubborn. Maybe in some ways is a good thing because it helps you keep going no matter what obstacles are on your way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, Dr. Lale, I'm really grateful that you came today and I'm really grateful that you keep going. And I'm sure that you're many clients are also really grateful that you keep going. Uh, Ladies who are listening, please definitely reach out to Dr. Lale at drlale.com. That way you'll find out more about her. Like, let's take care of these things before they become a problem. If you are in any way, shape or form genetically predisposed to any kind of cancer or other disease, now is probably the time to make the decision to rethink your life and your lifestyle. And uh, Dr. Lale would be, I'm sure, perfect to hold your hand through that. So uh, listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that number in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.